Welcome to a special presentation of Turn on the Jets Digital. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. The season just ended. Todd Bowles has been relieved of his duties as head coach. So instead of doing our normal programming, we're going to have all of the other stuff, the history show, all of that will come back soon. And trust me, I've got a really awesome series plan. But for now, I want to focus on the coaching search until the Jets find their man. And there is plenty to talk about. So we're going to start today with a friend who runs JetsInsider.com. Great beat reporter over there, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, thanks for joining me, man. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Yeah, let's get right into it, too. There's a lot of news to talk about. So first, let's get this out of the way. Todd Bowles is gone. He was relieved of his duties last night. So let's start there. How did the whole scenario play out as far as you're aware? Well, you know, this is we've known this is going to happen for some time. Uh, we've talked about this personally, about how like, they, whether or not they should have let him go, this and that. But we've known it was going to happen for a while. They've started doing the coaching search already. The players knew it was going to happen. You saw them all after the game last night. Well, it's probably going to happen. Like it shouldn't. We don't want it to happen. This happen. Everyone knew it was writing was on the wall. And the simple fact of the matter is. You can absolutely blame McCagnan. You can say he didn't give a balls enough to work with, and it's absolutely true. But you can also look and say he didn't do a good enough job with what he had to work with. And that doesn't mean that they should have won so many more games because there was this much talent on the roster. It just means if you objectively look at how the game went, he failed in many areas. He failed with time management. He failed with discipline, with players year after year not showing up for meetings, big players not showing up for meetings and practices. He failed with game planning, with failing to adjust the game plan. He failed with not playing young players and refusing to bench, uh, you know, sometimes and refusing to bench for older players. Uh, nobody can understand why Deontay Burnett was inactive for so long. Like, these are the types of things he did that are completely separate from the Cagman and you can argue that Bowles had to go, but Bowles had to go, and he's gone. And he walks the plank. He's out. The discussion was going on, as you said, for a long time. In fact, I think he was kind of a dead man walking since that Buffalo defeat at home where they just got yeah. smoked by Matt Barkley. And so now Todd Bowles is gone, and the guys that are left to answer questions in the wake of his demise are Mike McCagney, the general manager, and Christopher Johnson, who is the acting owner. So before we get into the other things surrounding the coaching situation, let's start with what they had to say. Christopher Johnson spoke first, so what did he say at his presser? Well, he, he actually said a couple things that we can take away here. Uh, we can actually point to and say, hey, this is actual substance here. Number one, he... Uh, isn't going to rule out college coaches, which we know because there's a report out there that Matt Campbell turned him down already. Um, so he's going to go not ruling anybody up. He's not ruling out former head coaches, but he's also not using saying that they need to be former head coaches, which is that's a good thing because if you go in by saying we can only hire retries, then I don't know what you're thinking. So that's a good thing. He. Um, what else did he say? He said that, um, you know, they're going to keep the power structure the same. This is not a bad thing. Where you're going to, you know, I know a lot of teams do this, but it just doesn't seem to make sense. And we're going to have this issue. We're going to be talking about it in the future. You've got to bring in a new coach now 
And then what happens in a year or two when it becomes clear and the captain's not the guy, and then they're not on the same schedule, so that's a bad thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, he's it's him, McCagnan, and Brian Heimendinger that are going to handle the search. It's not going to be an outside search firm, which is definitely a good thing. And you see Tampa Bay's hiring an outside firm to do this. The Jets have obviously done that in the past. And then you just hire you talk to the people that have to do their friends are essentially. So they're going to actually sit there and talk to these guys. It does, you know, oh, the, Chris Richard is one of the guys that was mentioned too, we were talking before. So that's the one defensive side of the ball. It seems that they're looking mostly at the offensive side of the ball, which I'm not really somebody who says you got to go offense, but the first time they had an offensive coach. <laughs> Like, they need to go offense to build and focus on Darnold. So, you're going to see, but, you know, we'll see how this handles out. The other thing he said that is uh, he knows there's a lot of job openings right now. This is going to be a competitive market, and they're going to be aggressive. They're not going to drag their feet about this. They're going to try to get this. Uh, they're going to find the right guy. They're not going to rush it. But once they find who they want, they're going to try to get it close as soon as possible. You mentioned McCagnan being one of the guys running the coaching search. So now we move from Christopher Johnson to Mike McCagnan, who also spoke to the media. A lot of us as Jets fans have really been wanting the press to put Mike McCagnan's feet to the fire. Now, I know it's tricky because he likes to do that little shimmy and dance where he doesn't give you any answers and he spins out of everything. And I'm sure he did the same today. But from what I understand, some people hit him a little bit harder than most of us were expecting. I, I know fans have to complain a lot, and especially with the GM, it, it's more difficult because every day as a coach, you can turn on the web, the Jets website, and you can watch the presser with the head coach. We don't, you don't have that option with the GM. The GM, there's no cameras in the room, so all you hear is what is said, what the captain says. That's what the reporters end up writing, and you don't hear that because reporters technically are more aggressive than you think. But McCagnan just dances so effortlessly that it doesn't come through with the writing. But today, they were more, we were all more aggressive than I expected. There was a, a, just a couple of straight up, have, have you done a good enough job acquiring talent? And basically just saying, well, he pointed to the Rams at one point about how they had a quick turnaround and the supporters was like, yeah, they also drafted time early in there and that Donald's like, the, the reporters went at him a little bit more. He danced as well as he ever did. He, he sat there and said, you know, I need to be better. We all need to be better. There's this and this is blah, 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 blah. But the, the beat was definitely more aggressive. And we, again, we talked about this. Uh, part of the reason that they kept Todd Bowles on, I'm pretty sure it was to make Todd Bowles the whipping boy to sit there and take the attention to get all, all the criticism until the end of the season, and today I could feel a change in that room. A lot of the reporters there are ready to go ahead and turn the, uh, the tables and direct their criticism at the cabinet. So he's going to have this offseason. He needs to hit it out the park. Otherwise, next year is going to have him get criticized left to right by all of us. Chris, before we get into the actual candidates that they've started to reach out to and speculate about others, 
You just talked about McCagnan and how he's admitted he has to be better and that there needs to be more talent on the team. We heard what Jamal Adams said after the game. It felt like to me he was pleading with Mike McCagnan, but if somebody wants to take it another way, fine. But he desperately wants more talent around him, and he wasn't trying to throw shade at the players that are on the team. But anybody who watches this team understands that they need more premium players. And so McCagnan is the one running this search. And presumably, McCagnan is a guy who, even if it's not a mandate, because Christopher Johnson said there will be no mandate, he's going to have some heat coming on the back of his neck if he doesn't really produce in the next year or two. You've got to think that any coach who has options is going to be worried about coming in here with that being the situation, right? Yeah, you have to you have to think they're going to be worried about it. And they're going to think about it. and They're going to wonder about it. How much is it going to impact? Who knows? And is that going to be enough to outweigh the possible knowing that you're going to come in to coach Sam Darnold and have a hundred million dollars to spend? And Chris Johnson said it today too. That you know, if you come in here and you win, you're going to be a freaking much luggage. Like, and coaches know that they they all have egos. That we all know they have egos. Their egos are bigger than even we think they are. And they want that challenge. They want that ability. Uh, so. You know, I keep hearing people debate it's the most attractive job. And if you look strictly from a football standpoint, yes, Cleveland is obviously a more attractive job. And the ownership here isn't the most attractive. But do you really want to go work with Jenny Haslam? Do you really want to be in Cleveland? Yeah, now, some people won't care. Some people will prefer to be in Cleveland. Some people might want more attention, might want to be in New York. So a lot of it's going to depend on your personality, what you think and what you would value the most. And that's the same for any coaches here. But the bottom line is, it has to be in top three most attractive jobs, even with having to worry about the tag. And coaches are going to look at Darnold, knowing that their quarterback is what you need the most. They're going to turn on the tape. They're going to be see enough to have been impressed and to think that they can coach him and be the guy to take him and the Jets to that next level. And somebody's going to get it. It's just a question of if they pick the right somebody let's get into the actual candidates now you talked about certain options potentially being on the table or potentially not being on the table because christopher johnson did say that they are not going to be looking for somebody that could be handed full control so i would assume that even if there was some sort of outside chance of it happening this 100 percent definitively rules out jim harbaugh right yeah, it would seem to. Now, I've heard, uh, you know, some uh, some different reports on if that if full control was really what drove him out of San Francisco. From what I understand, there's a lot in him and Jim Jerk that didn't like each other and didn't get along. And Harbaugh has that reputation in time of spending, you know, four years in a place and burning out. So maybe he wouldn't want full control, but it would definitely seem to make it a whole lot less likely. We know that the Jets have reached out to some head coaching candidates already. One of them declined to interview with the Jets, and that is somebody who is a hot name. In fact, Manish Mehta of the Daily News wrote a whole piece about how Matt Campbell of Iowa State is an up-and-coming name. Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report and also stick to the Jets here on Turn on the Jets Digital, who's going to join me on Friday to talk about the coaching candidates from the college ranks. He was really touting Matt Campbell, and so it looked like there was some steam behind his name, but today he told the Jets he wasn't interested. 
Yeah, and I already saw people on Twitter, you know, being like, the coach at Iowa State turned down the Jets, like, this is bad, and maybe it is. If if not, Campbell turns down the Jets, but then he goes and he interviews with a couple other NFL teams, then that's bad. If Matt Campbell turns down the Jets and doesn't go on any interviews or turns down other teams and he just wants to be at Iowa State, because I don't know so much about Matt Campbell. I've seen friends about recently. Most of what I do know, I've learned to kind of, I've learned to kind of Rogers there, to be honest. But it, it, he kind of strikes me as a guy that's going to be right now and being at Iowa State. So if he doesn't go take other interviews with NFL teams, then it's not embarrassing. It's not a big deal. He just prefers to stay. And to be fair, he did just sign an extension with Iowa State something like six yeah. weeks ago. The buyout clause was still in there, so he had the option to go, but maybe he felt like it just wasn't time and maybe he wouldn't have felt right about going right now. Maybe in a couple of years he would exercise the buyout, but it's possible that he just felt like now is not the time to go. We're going to find out because, like you said, Chris, if he goes and interviews somewhere else, then we'll know that it was something personal with the Jets. But if not, it could just be that he wants to stay at Iowa State. But a couple couple of guys that are some assistants that have been mentioned and that have now gotten contacted by the Jets, according to reports. We've got Monken, the offensive coordinator from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Eric Bieniemy, the former running back from the San Diego Chargers, who was Andy Reid's offensive coordinator in Kansas City. And then Chris Richard, who really made a name for himself in Seattle. He's on the defensive side of the ball. So that's an interesting one because a lot of people, as you said, are calling for an offensive guru. So what do you think about these three names to start with, Chris? What do you think they say about where the Jets are going to be looking in the coaching search? I think they're three very intriguing names. Uh, Chris Richard, I, I would, again, I've, I've been a fan of his for a while. I think he should have gotten um, a shot prior to this. Um, I just don't think it's... My, my issue with the defensive coach thing is I think you can kind of look at most of the defensive coaches in the league and you see they still want to run this ball-control style offense and lean on their defense to win them games. And yes, you look at the Ravens, you look at the Seahawks, and some teams that have gotten in the playoffs, it's possible to win that way. But you have to have an uh, elite defense to pull that off. And if you get down in the game, then you're screwed because you, you have no way to pass your way back into the game. I just think you're making things way too hard on yourself with, with that. And this is the hard, one of the hardest parts about being a reporter trying to predict players who will be a good coach. I, when I watch players in college, I see the things. I see what they do and don't do. I don't get to sit in the, these meetings and ask the coaches, you know, how married are you to your scheme? How willing are you to adjust your scheme based on what trends going around the league? How willing are you to adjust your scheme? Scheme based on the talent that's on the roster, or you're going to try to force that talent into your scheme because those are the things I want to know about a coach. If you tell me you're willing to adapt to the roster, I'm going to be much more inclined to hire you. And then the other thing with the defensive coordinator, the idea is always get a defensive coordinator and then have him make a head coach and have him hire somebody who's on the offensive side of the ball. Well, let's say you hire a Todd Monken to run the offensive side of the ball. And he does great for a year or two, and then all of a sudden he stops up for that great job, and he's got to scramble to replace him. So, among the idea of how an offensive coordinator, we know that's a trend. But then you're taking him and you're watering down what he does best by putting more responsibilities on him and to take away from the thing that we already know is what he's great at. 
assistant names that you're hearing as possibilities? Right now, no. I, I heard a lot of names uh, as a guy I've trouble dropping the last name. Taub Tog, the, the special teams guy from, from Kansas City. Uh, I've heard a, I heard a lot of him the last couple weeks of the season. That seemed to die off. I don't know what the reason is there. See if it comes back around. <clears throat> Again, that's another thing that kind of fits with my a perfect scenario thing is if you can just get a, a coach that doesn't have to spend the side of the ball to do what he's great at, and then you can focus on building the side separately, uh, you know, get a great OC and great DC and then have him run his thing, that would be great. But um, right now, those are the only ones I could really think of right now. Let's move on to the established head coaches and the two names that we keep hearing about are Jim Caldwell, the former head coach of the Lions and the Colts, and Mike McCarthy, who just spent 13 years with the Green Bay Packers. What level of interest do you expect from the Jets, and what are your thoughts on both of them as candidates? I expect the Jets to, uh, they're going to interview them, they're going to talk to them. I, I get the feeling that it's more of a, uh, we don't want to seem like we're ruling out these guys with experience than genuine interest, though. Um, it, it kind of, it, it, you know, they want to show that they're not just excluding them, that they're considering it, that they're going to go a different way. And I think it's the right decision. I think Jim Caldwell is a much better offensive uh, coordinator than people will give him credit for. Um, I can't say that I've, I've paid the most attention to his coaching, head coaching career, though, because, you know, he was with Peyton Manning, and that's with Peyton Manning, and in Detroit, those years are forgettable. I wasn't paying too close attention to them. But I don't think that's going to be a hire that would really excite anybody. I don't think it should be a hire that would excite anybody. And then with the cards, he listened. I gave up my fandom of teams a long time ago. It's very easy for me to be detached from things. And, but I, Basically, how I root for things now is I root for the player I enjoy watching the most. And for the past 10 years or so in the NFL, that player has been Aaron Rodgers. So I have watched the Packers extremely close over the years, and I could not imagine wanting to hire Mike McCarthy. I, I think personally, strictly just for Donald's development, 
you could do worse than him for just Arnold, developing Arnold. As a play caller, as a time manager, as running the game plan, I, I just I couldn't run away from Mike McCarthy's fast stuff. Yeah, it's pretty much how I feel about it. And I also watch a lot of Packers because one of my good buddies is a huge Packers fan. And so when we watch the games together, we'll watch the Packers and the Jets more closely than the other teams. And that's always been my impression of Mike McCarthy is as a play caller and especially as a game manager. You look at all the things that made you want to pull your hair out with Todd Bowles. It's the same stuff with Mike McCarthy. The only difference is, Chris, Mike McCarthy had Aaron Rodgers to cover up some of his mistakes. Yeah, the truth is Mike McCarthy should have been fired three to five years ago, but Aaron Rodgers was so good that he kept saving his job. And, you know, and it's a situation with Bowles. It's not all McCarthy's fault because since the Packers won that Super Bowl, they have not done a good job of surrounding Rodgers with talent either. But if, it was, if Aaron Rodgers wasn't so great the last few years, Everyone in that organization would have been fired a long time ago. But he was so good that you could overcome that. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, winning a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers is not going to convince me that he deserves another headshot at coaching. It, it just doesn't. I've watched too many Packers games. I've too many legitimate complaints about him and his coaching style. And then here's the thing, another thing we don't know. Because you look at Andy Reid. When Andy Reid left Philadelphia, everyone knew it was time. It need, he needed to go. And he, he sat back, took a step back, you know, did a self-assessment, and he changed his whole style. He changed his offense when he went to Kansas City. And he adapted, and he became a new coach. So is it possible that Mike McCarthy does the same thing? Sure, it's possible. But look at NFL coaches, again, back to the egos thing, doesn't have their ego and they're going to stick with what works. And this is why the defense coaches stick with their ball control efforts. That's what they were taught growing up their entire life. This is what works. It's what always works. And I just, it's hard to imagine that he's going to make that big of a change. It's possible, but it's hard to imagine. McCarthy is an example to me, and Caldwell too, to a lesser extent, of why you have to look beyond just the win-loss records because you have to look at the talent that is on the team and see the maximum ability of that team. McCarthy had loaded offenses for almost the entire time he was there. He had back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks, one of them while he was in his prime. And so, of course, you expect them to win a good amount of games. It's just a matter of... Did he get them over the hump? And yeah, if you win games with teams like that, it generally means that you may not be a disaster, although I always remind people of this. Rich Kotite went to the second round of the playoffs his second year with Philly and had two straight winning seasons there, mostly because that defense is one of the greatest defenses that you've ever seen and one of the best in NFL history. But you can't just look at the win-loss record. You have to look at if the guy maximized the roster around him. I never got that impression from Mike McCarthy, and so that's a big part of the reason why I'm hoping he doesn't come on top of the stuff we talked about with the poor game management, which has been driving Jets fans crazy since Bill Parcells left, with the exception of Eric Mangini. That was one of his strengths. 
There were other weaknesses yeah. for Eric Mangini, but that was one of his strengths. So let's talk a little bit about the college game. The last time the Jets did take a major risk and think outside the box was when they did hire Mangini because he'd only had one year as a coordinator. He wasn't the hot name that was circulating around. The Jets just decided they were going to go off the beaten path, and so they took a chance with Eric Mangini. I would argue that it was a chance that paid off in a lot of ways because it helped set the foundation for the AFC championship runs in 2009 and 2010. Will they take another chance like that, if not on a coordinator? Because these guys that we're talking about are hot names, so it's not like it's completely outside the box. Could they potentially take a major risk on a college coach? We talked about Harbaugh. We talked about Campbell, who already declined. Are there other names that we could see in the mix here? Yeah, you know, I think if, if Campbell was willing to take the interview, then I would say that there was a, a very good chance to go the college route. And I do expect them to interview a couple college guys, but I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think Lincoln Riley's going to leave. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm more, I'm more willing to entertain the possibility of Harbaugh leaving than most people were. Jim Harbaugh, most people were. But I'm starting to feel like that's probably not going to happen right now. Um, and then, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a couple others I'm thinking, but I know there's, um, Matt Rule, the Baylor coach, has been getting a lot of steam in the media as a possibility. Uh, you know what he had to step into that situation there at Baylor, at but program was in shambles with all that sexual assault stuff they had to deal with, and he came in and did a good job there. Um, but I, I, I got the feeling that Matt Campbell had a real, real legitimate chance. I don't know that I can say that about any of the college guys. He's the editor-in-chief and beat reporter over at JetsInsider.com. Does great coverage over there. As you know, we also talk about NJ.com because Daryl Slater, their ace beat reporter over there, does great work. So between JetsInsider.com, TurnOnTheJets.com, NJ.com, so much great Jets coverage to go around. And so I'm glad that we can all talk about what's going on with this coaching search because it is going to consume our lives for the next however many days that it goes on. Chris Nimbley, thank you so much for joining me. I hope that you'll come back soon. I'm really glad that we were able to talk about the coaching search, and let's just hope they get this one right. Yeah, that's, that's it. It's gonna, you know, fans are going to react. Some are going to be excited. Some are going to be extremely disappointed no matter who they pick. Who cares? They just have to get it right. And we're not going to know right away. They're all going to have our opinion. They have to get it right. And for Sam Darnold's sake, for all your Jets fans' sake, they have to get it right. Time will tell. And it's going to be a grueling process. <laughs> the names thrown out there, listening to all the complaints, but they have to get it right. And we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter, by the way, if you're not already, at CNimbly. And visit JetsInsider.com to see his coverage of the McCagnin and Christopher Johnson pressers that went on earlier today. He's going to have plenty of written content up there, as we will also at TurnOnTheJets.com. And don't forget, for all the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.